0: to spaces with Josie. I'm your host Josie the redheaded Libertarian. Can everybody hear me okay? Go ahead and throw up your emojis down there at the bottom heart with the plus sign. Heart with the plus sign. Perfect. Awesome. Okay great. Thank you for your patience. We had a little bit of a tech Issue on my end, but that should be resolved now. I'd like to thank you all for being here and thank you my guests on uh, Timcast.com, members only. Thank you for becoming a subscriber and helping to support our work. Welcome Libby Evans. Oh, you're muted. Okay.
2: (laughs) Hi. Yes, I was muted. (laughs) How's it going guys? (laughs)
0: How are you doing? Nice to talk to you,
2: Jessie. I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. It's so nice to talk to you again. It's been a while. Good. It's
2: been a minute, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So can you tell our guests a little bit about who you are and what you do?
2: Sure. I'm um, I'm a mom. My son is 13. He's going on 14 in just, my goodness, just a couple of days, honestly. And um, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Postmillennial and Human Events. Awesome. Well, welcome. Um, yeah. That's, basically
0: my whole jam mm-hmm. so today we're going to talk things that we have in common motherhood and raising kids in the absolute chaos of the marxist color revolution that is upon us
2: it really it's it's you know what's crazy i was actually giving this some thought because you know you and i had talked mm-hmm. about this, what we we're going to talk about and i was thinking about it and it's all like like it was already really hard raising mm-hmm. kids yeah it was already <laughs> really difficult um you know, teenage years are something that I have been both looking forward to and terrified by, mm-hmm. for all of the all of the reasons that that is. And to add to that, literal, intentional, nefarious forces trying to destroy your child, your family, and yourself—it really, it really makes it all that much more um, difficult to do.
0: Yeah, we're literally fighting demons and I say literally not figuratively like I feel like we literally are it's this we're in a spiritual war right now whether or not you're religious or not religious anybody in the chat any if you're religious or not it doesn't matter this is this is spiritual this is coming for your soul like this is coming for everything that's ingrained that makes you who you are as a person
2: hmm yeah, it really it it really is, and the thing too that's interesting, and this is a conversation I was having with my son um, just earlier today. Uh, we were talking about how even with atheism, and even among those who um, discard religion entirely, there is a, sort of a human need for, um, you know, call it a divinity, call it a higher power, call it a reason to seek order mm-hmm. uh, that does exist i think within within all of us and when we take god out of the equation or when we take something um, like a religious structure out of the equation a religious structure specifically that encourages morality that encourages strong decision making skills that encourages you know optimism hope and a love of life mm-hmm. When we take those things away, we really leave a void for, um, you know, uh, what's the word when you hate human beings? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> word.
0: It's nihilist.
2: nihilist, yes. Mm-hmm. You leave space for nihilism, for, you know, evil forces, for, uh, you know, the worship of sin and the worship of self. Um, and you just, you know, you just leave that wide open and it's like, that's where, In a lot of ways, that's where the current educational and institutional systems in the United States want our children to be. They want them to be that open to forces that will destroy them. You can even look at it, and this is something, you know, James Lindsay works on a great deal, This concept of queering education. Mm. And when you look at the sort of founding documents of the drag queen story hour people, and I know that we're all pretty over inundated with drag queens, you know, uh, messing with kids and whatever that was like very last year. Mm-hmm. It's still an issue. And the, the situation is that the founders of that, which was like, you know, this radical feminist leftist and the drag queen, mm-hmm. the idea that they had was specifically to um, normalize these things for kids, mm-hmm. break down their barriers to kink and fetish. Uh, break down their barriers to seeing men and women's clothing. Mm-hmm. Break down their barriers to this kind of adult sexual lifestyles, um, and that is what that is where we are. That that has been incredibly successful effort.
0: There's a former KGB agent, and he said the way to conquer a society or to take over a society is uh, that four steps. Really, he's like you you demoralize everybody then you um, destabilize everybody, and then you create chaos, and then you normalize that chaos. So what we're seeing, we're kind of seeing it all come at us because there's no there's no order. And with no order comes chaos from every which way. So we're seeing all of this happen to us all at once, all in different stages. Some, some efforts are to demoralize us. Other efforts are to normalize a chaos that's already happening. And so what people would normally do when they're in a situation like this is they would find God. But in this case, they're saying, no, you can't have God. You know, we're going to, you have to worship science now. Um, so so we're having people even fight to escape it by finding something deeper in, than themselves. And and so this is, this is what we're battling and we're doing it, trying to raise the best possible children that we can raise. We're raising this next generation and we have to protect them from... Forces that you know are trying to queer them essentially
2: yeah How? what are some good tactics for that i mean I, I know you and i have had um you know i was recently reading you'd had um you know ongoing medical things with your daughter mm-hmm. i had stuff like that with my son yeah you have that you have that on top of parenting you have that on top of you know essentially being a culture warrior in this space and trying to make a difference not just for your own family but for you know the children of this great nation what are some good ways to do that and i i can say that um, tonight i'm definitely struggling with, with um with some parenting things mm-hmm. you know it's been difficult um but yeah i it, it's it's a, uh, it's it's there's just much to to try and face and try and tackle and it's just on top of all the things that are already hard Yeah.
0: what I recommend um, is what I did is I was in with my family in a blue state and it was during the pandemic and things were getting scary and they were getting awful and uh, it was coming at us from every angle it was coming at us from I was raising a tomboy so it was coming at us from the queer angle Um, Uh you know, because she couldn't, she wasn't allowed to just be a tomboy. She had to be whatever they thought she was, which was made her uncomfortable. Um, Uh so it was coming at us from that. And then with the pandemic and I'm having her treated at Boston Children's Hospital, they're trying to force the vaccine on two children. My child has an MRNA disease, which thank God she's Uh in remission from now. But at the time she wasn't, it's a one in a million disease. They don't know a lot about it. Why on earth would I screw with her MRNA. Why why on earth would I do that? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, so so, so then Boston and a lot of the surrounding cities made this rule like, okay, well, if you are not vaccinated and you're over six years old, you can't go into here's a list of venues, here's a list of restaurants. You, you really couldn't do anything in a city. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, well, if I take her to be treated in Boston for this disease, she gets it. It was the type of chemotherapy that they're treating her with called Someta. Um, So if I take her to be treated and she needed a bathroom or something on the way home, I couldn't stop anywhere and let her in to do that because I didn't vaccinate her. So, you know, we're dealing with that. And and I was living at the time in western Massachusetts. And so the stuff, the, the oppression, the tyranny, the lockdowns, all of that started in the east in Boston area and worked its way out west. So when me and my husband decided we were going to move, what it had come down to is it had made its way to Western mass and they were going to be voting on a measure to keep kids or anyone unvaccinated over six years old out of open air eateries. That's like, Open air, eateries. open air eateries is what they were calling them that's a grocery store with a restaurant in it that's Publix you know that's <laughs> that's big Y. that's Kroger that's anywhere that that serves food that you could sit at a little cafe table and eat so it's like I won't be able to take my children grocery shopping if I stay here and on top of you know raising them in a place where Uh, They weren't allowed in a restaurant that seemed like a civil rights violation to me because of their medical choices, you know, so it just was like, all right, well, Florida, here we come, you know, buy a house, move to Florida, didn't have a job, didn't really know what I was doing, just kind of dropped everything, left left my entire support systems in Massachusetts, took my kids, Mm -hmm. came here. Um, thankfully, within a month and a half, I got my Twitter account back <laughs> because Elon Musk said he was going to buy it. And then Tim Cast hired me. So all of a sudden, you know, everything just fell into place. And I had no idea what, 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 how this was going to work. But it all worked out. And I got to tell you, coming from Massachusetts to Florida, it was a whole different world. It was a completely different world. There was no pandemic here. People weren't afraid to be near you. Nobody was wearing a mask. Nobody was sick. Mm-hmm. There was sunlight and vitamin D everywhere. It was like a magical right. land. It's like you crossed into Oz. It was incredible.
2: Yeah, how do you know? I mean, that's a, that's a really good indication that you made the right decision. Mm-hmm. You know, that you like picked up and left and it was a successful move for your family and you all felt better. Yeah. Um, and it, it, does, it does become, you have to make these wacky decisions sometimes that seem totally insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. You make them and you're like... I have a really hope this was and the right thing.
0: Nobody understood. My family didn't understand. His family didn't understand. Nobody understood what we were doing. It's like all of a sudden, all back in New England. they're all in New England. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. me and my husband are taking the kids and we're moving 1500 miles away, you know, and it, and it was the, it was still, it was 2022. So we're at the, you know, we're still in the pandemic and here we are making this move across the country. And it's like, you know, but it's Massachusetts, politics are different. I didn't get into that kind of stuff with my family. And, right. and th- they didn't really get it, but they were supportive, you know? So so we did it, we made the move. And that's what I recommend any parent that is in a blue state, and you're seeing this happen, you're seeing this come for your children. You're, you're, you're seeing that there's, there's really no way to get away from it. Like for instance, when it comes to um, queering the children, there are trans refuge laws in states. And right. these laws can... Isn't
2: Massachusetts working on one of those? Yes, yes,
0: they are. Yeah. Um, and I kind of saw the writing on the wall with that raising a tomboy and, you know, yeah. being...
2: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast mm-hmm. as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers.
0: In being involved in this kind of this kind of uh, area, mm-hmm. so what can happen is you can have a teacher trying to trans your kid and you know call the state and say hey you know this parent isn't. Uh, Honoring her trans child's pronouns in the state can intervene and you know Because that's abuse they, they write that off as child abuse and they can take your child away and start putting your child on hormones and Giving them top surgery and all of that stuff and this is real and these trans refuse laws extend to children from other states And they won't extradite those children back to the parents. They will mm-hmm. keep the children there This is legalized kidnapping legalized trafficking of children and legalized mutilation and drugging of them and i mean once it gets to a point where your state is allowing this to happen your state's lost it's Mm -hmm. lost you're not going to sit there and vote it out that it's gone you need to get out it's
2: happening in so many states it's happening in california minnesota Mm New york yes um and those are just a couple of the ones i remember off the top of my head where i watched the um i watched the you know people testifying in front of the state legislatures mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, maybe this is a really bad idea." Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what you were saying about abuse. That really goes back to like this thing where the language just changes. Mm-hmm. The lang- like the left, is so good at controlling a narrative and controlling the language and getting everyone on board with messaging. You know, yes. I remember a night when I was on TimCast and I, we were talking about immigration, and the guest said. Uh, you know, I think I said something like, or were we talking about homelessness?" Mm-hmm. Um, and the guest said, "No, they're unhoused." uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, "You mean they're homeless? Like they haven't a home?" Well, they're unhoused. Well, why are you saying why are you saying unhoused? Where does that come from? And he said something like, "You know, I've talked to a lot of people who work in that space, and they say that that's the better word." Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's the better word if you're trying to drive a narrative about how, like, the people who are homeless and, you know, beating up ladies with baseball bats are are, are perfectly non-culpable for their actions, but if you actually just <laughs> want to talk about what's going on, you actually, then you have, like, a ridiculous, um, you know, uh, narrative driver here, and the same thing is true with abuse. Like, that came up in California with Scott Weiner, mm-hmm. kind of, who's one of the state, Senators there in the San Francisco area, and he's basically a gay fetishist yes. who hangs out at pride parades, taking pictures of pools where men pee on each other for sexual enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not sure why that's in public. Uh, seems like overkill to me. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> the pee tape is is that's, that's <laughs> but this thing that's fine. Nobody mm-hmm. cares about that. So, but yeah, this idea is that abuse is not. Um, actually abuse. Abuse is not going along with the preferred gender narrative. Now Mm -hmm. that's what what we call abuse. And I think on the conservative side, people are so rightfully obsessed with making sure that individuals have the opportunity to speak their mind and to be independent, Mm -hmm. that we do not coalesce this messaging. We do not suddenly, you know, like you can see it too in the news as soon as something comes up. It's now it's undocumented they're all saying undocumented Mm -hmm. you know now it's gender affirming so we're all saying gender affirming even abortion is no longer abortion it's abortion care yeah they tack care on the end of it and then (laughs) suddenly it seems like that's okay or like when my son was in fourth grade Mm -hmm. and it was uh george floyd and COVID lockdowns Mm -hmm. and remote school and the teachers decided to do a after george floyd died they decided to do a two-day lesson on um white privilege and systemic racism jesus and i put on my voice recorder because there he was in my dining room you know mm-hmm. so i recorded the whole thing um and and at the end of these lessons he's asking me like is our whole family racist because we're white <sighs> no hon. no well but are you racist no am i racist no grandma racist nope none of these no none of even your great grandma was like, you know, a teacher in one of the first integrated schools in Brownsville, Brooklyn. She definitely wasn't racist, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. It was like Italian kids and black kids and all the kids, and it was fine. Like nobody, it's just not, nobody's yeah,
0: they, racist. Yeah. We, we were the genera- we were raised completely, yeah, I don't even care if it's stigmatized. We were raised colorblind. That's what, That's what our right. generation was raised. We were raised to not see that. Um, but now they've reached a the point where, if, if you say you don't see color, then that's racist, but if you say you see color, then that's also racist. So there's, it, it's a way to control. Uh, you control the language, then you control the people, then you control the way that the people think. Um, jumping back to the homeless versus unhoused, homeless has a stigma tied to it, you know, because we, we hear homeless and we get a picture in our head of what a homeless person looks like and what they might be doing, you know. Um, but then when they say, oh, that's just because he's unhoused, that makes it sound like giving the a house will fix all this. So maybe we should be funding homeless people, essentially. So so the way that they control the language is to control, you know, the, the solution. And, and it's all made up solutions. None of that's going to work.
3: Yeah, none
2: of it does work. Mm -hmm. You know, it turns out that kids still need the same things that they've always needed. Mm -hmm. They need boundaries, structure, stability. They need to know that they are supported. They need to know that you're not going to run out on them. They need to know that, like, you're not going to suddenly switch personalities and be a psycho. (laughs) You know, Um, they need to know that they're not being manipulated. They need to know that there is food in the cupboard Mm -hmm. and that they know where their next meal is coming from and it's not... It's not a problem for them. They need to know that their bed is going to be, you know, clean and um, there will be someone to help them with their homework. Uh, It's it's these basic things that get overshadowed when we do all of this wild stuff. And so many times when you see interviews with so-called trans kids and their parents, these kids are just looking for the approval of their stupid moron parents. Mm -hmm. They're just looking for you know acceptance from these parents they're looking to meet expectations and the fact is as a parent you know you may have certain expectations for your kids you may have expectations that you have not uh, that you have not particularly expressed mm-hmm. you know um but your kids are going to know what those expectations are whether you express them or not whether you mean to have them or not and they're going to try and live up to them they're yeah. going to think like you know i need to meet these standards in order to get my parents love or they're going to notice when you are letting them down you know that's going to be very clear to to kids and they don't always know how to handle it um so yeah but yeah the kids need the exact same things that they've always needed and uh none of this nonsense changes that it just overshadows it just glosses over it
0: a part of the marxist Agenda is to abolish the family and some of that is abolishing the family as we know it As opposed to just completely getting rid of it But uh, nuclear family is definitely on the list of abolishing and they want to kind of replace that with a uh, You know two dads two moms no dad at all especially, you know in the black communities um, Anywhere that they that these people will grow to depend on the government. They need less masculinity less stability and what what we see is uh this issue with single motherhood and, you know, single mothers, I know many of them and many of them are so wonderful, but when it comes to, um, the chances of a child being in prison as an adult, 80% Mm -hmm. of them come from single mother homes. And a lot of this is because, and it's not just single mother homes, it's, it's without a father period in the picture because these children are raised to handle their problems emotionally as opposed to with stoicism in a way that they'd learn from a dad or a male figure in the house is to be stoic when you're handling a problem, but instead they're... Well, it
2: depends on the dad. Yes, they
0: need to have a good dad. dad. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> some the, some of these dads were dads raised by single like mothers. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So some of these dads were raised without dads and that's... Right, or
2: just <laughs> raised by wolves, right? Exactly.
0: But, yeah. That too. You know, so that is important too. It does have to be a healthy male figure in their life, you know, that could be a grandpa or an uncle, some male figure that's going to teach them to be but stoic. it's very there. essential. It
2: it's is. very essential. It is
0: essential, hands down. Because it,
2: you need to know like, oh, I'm having this feeling, mm-hmm. well, it's, that feeling is not more important than getting this work done right now, I better get the work done and I'll see about the feeling later maybe. Yes.
0: And that's the thing because, yes. oh, I mean, I know my generation, you know, I'm, I'm a zenial, but you know, millennial generation, they were kind of raised to be like, oh, you know, my boy, He if he plays with dolls, it's because he's, he's sensitive and, you know, he's he's going to grow up and, you know, it's okay to cry. And, and, you know, you can teach your son that, but you also have to teach them to be stoic or they have to learn from a male to be stoic. And you can have them be your sensitive little boy and your, your precious little prince. But... They also need to have the stoicism on top of that, as well I mean, you as. You just
2: suck it up and power through. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. It's you okay. You gotta learn that. It is okay for yeah. a boy to cry. That's fine. That happens sure. sometimes. You know, of course that's okay. But you know, it's but not. You
2: can't let crying get in the way of. Control. Absolutely <laughs> not. That's
0: what I'm getting to exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. You're crying. Your tears cannot control every decision that you make and they cannot be the answer to every problem that you have you have to be able to learn how to be a man and you know they've kind of traded this off with well if boys don't cry then they are toxic masculine men and i gotta tell you the most toxic man that i've ever dealt with has been a male feminist there is nothing well,
2: those guys are the worst and they're so manipulative yes there is so nothing manipulative more toxic and than entitled me. and narcissistic i mean i will say like you know i'm um I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. Uh my son's dad is very much in his life, but we, you know, um, we live apart. Yes. And um it is uh you know, the fact that I got divorced like that that was never the plan. Um Of course. Uh but yeah, it does it does make it more difficult and mm-hmm. I do find myself, you know, calling my brothers and being like, "Hey, I need you to pop into Charlie's life. I need you to be present. Yes. You know, calling my dad and being like, hey, you know, uh, the kid really needs you.
0: Yeah. Like, taking fishing. You, a yeah.
2: you mm-hmm. know, we're going to go hang out, spend some time with my dad and my uncle and my cousins and my cousin's husband mm-hmm. and my brother
0: and like all that, know, all really the male influence. Yep.
1: Male
2: <laughs> who are in our family who are, you know, like your family there in New England. Yes. Um, But, yeah, it it is – and I I find it frustrating when I hear single moms Mm -hmm. uh, talking about how they don't, you know, need a man in their life and they don't (laughs) need a man for their kids Mm. and they don't need, you know, that extra um, support for their child. And I'm just like, girls, you're nuts. Like, you're just just nuts.
0: I got to tell you, Um, I'm raising daughters. And it's important to have a father in their life, you know, because they're learning – what to tolerate from a man by the man the 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 first love of their life you know Mm -hmm. so so even raising daughters it's important to have a father because otherwise you're gonna raise girls who have some daddy issues, you know, might need to work those out, you know. Um, right, and then you're
2: gonna end up with like some terrible son in law. Yes. You know? Exactly. It's they you want it all in their life. Because
0: yeah. she felt rejected, maybe, you know, because the first man who was supposed to love her didn't or left or whatever. And so she's gonna find love the first place, the first person that gives it to her, and that might not be the best person.
2: Right,
0: probably won't be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> hands down, definitely. Uh, do you wanna take some questions from the audience?
2: yeah sure
0: great okay so if anybody has a question for me or a question for libby you can go ahead and request to be a speaker and i'll make you one um and you know it can be about anything motherhood parenting rearing kids the queer agenda whatever anything okay here we go and uh, just request to be a speaker down there at the bottom
4: okay round two name something that's not boring
0: and remember, just to be respectful. All right, Mima Ganda, go ahead.
5: What up,
1: guys? I, I came in kind of late, but 100. percent Stoicism will set you free because you lo- realize that people will only disappoint you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that that, that sounds like I'm, I'm super cynical, but it's 100 percent true. Say. Like, being <laughs> a kid on the outside looking in, like. Ultimately, it helped me out because, you know, I was never the popular kid. I was never, I, I never, you know, tapered out in the in the education system. Mm-hmm. But, but ultimately, it, as people you age, your friends change, so on and so forth, like, if you don't learn that it's not, like, not permanent, like stoicism, mm-hmm. it's not permanent, everything changes, and all you can do is change with it, um... Yeah, you're kind of trapped in this forever man-child, woman, well, depending on ch- kid-child, <laughs> adult-child, whatever you want to call it. Um, you're kind of really stuck in that position uh, until life-altering happens, tragedy, so on and so forth, until you're forced to grow up.
0: But that's that's really all I got. Great. Oh, no, that's a great okay. point. Definitely. yeah, Something has to force you out of that comfort yeah. zone and force you to... Become, sto- become stoic and become a man, you know, um, in a way, you know, you have to kind of learn it yourself.
3: Yeah, I
2: think we all have to learn how to grow up ourselves to to a large degree. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hardest things about parenting is when you, when your kid has things that you can't fix.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, that's like,
2: I remember my mom for years, like, I didn't, I didn't grow up with my mom. I grew up with my, my parents are divorced. Uh-huh. My grandparents are divorced. Like, everyone in my whole family is divorced over and over again but um the uh I remember I don't remember my point anyway it's been a tough day guys. you no. <laughs> okay. oh that's what it was tough day right mm-hmm. so my mom would always try and uh she doesn't like a problem that money can't solve mm. like she only wants to she if if she can solve the problem with money that's all she wants to do so when I ended up moving in with my mom when I was something like 16 uh, and I was having a very difficult time of it, I was also always looking in from the outside. I was never one of the popular kids. I was mercilessly bullied mm-hmm. until I was about 16 and switched schools and all the rest of it. But my mom would just be like, honey, can I? is there anything I can do for you? Do you need $20? And I'd always be like, well, yeah, Like I'll take $20. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want 20 bucks? It's
0: like a love language. It's, it's how she right. showed her love.
2: Well, if you want to call <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's a uh, it's it's so difficult watching your kids go through stuff you can't fix
0: oh definitely well,
2: it's,
0: yeah that's yeah. that's really difficult I I know like I was raising a child with a one in a million disease who had mm-hmm. deep bone pain I can't fix it yes, my I you know just nothing that that I could do. Um, So what I would do is she'd go for her treatments and I would buy every single one of her favorite foods and I would make her favorite things to eat while she recovered so Mm -hmm. she would have coffee cake and she would have, you know, she loved carrot sticks so she'd have carrot sticks. And I just like, that's how I felt like I could help her is because, and you know, her favorite movies or shows. So we'd watch like Young Sheldon, you know, and just kind of binge watch that all day while she was uh, recovering from her treatments. Mm And that's just—it's just the only thing I thought I could do is like acts of service to show
2: yeah acts of service—that's such a huge deal. Yeah.
0: Uh, Weiwoo, do you have a question? Welcome.
3: Hi. Hi. I'm white. Okay. So, your mundane question, okay? Uh mm-hmm. Why many woman must in America all
0: why are women sluts in America? Yes. That is oh no, honey, go go go. Okay, go go. Sorry, my uh, daughter walked in.
3: Okay, <laughs> sorry, so add to this? Okay. Um um okay, so um I I give introduction. Mm-hmm. My name Wei Wu. I'm international Chinese student. Mm-hmm. I'm in Michigan, America. Um, I'm right now use um voice disorder because maybe i have to go back to china soon mm-hmm. and uh, the problem is in china mm-hmm. you cannot criticize government and i always criticize the government mm-hmm. so i hide my voice because i don't want to go to jail okay, okay. no jail for me okay so remind me this, this is my question okay, okay?
0: So why are women in America all sluts? Well, a lot of them yeah. were raised...
3: And, and, okay, so many of my friends here, uh-huh. all women, yep. they always say, oh, I, w- um, I want a good man. Mm-hmm. Um, why can I um, not find good man? But their behavior, most discussed, they always, um, they behave like, their behavior mm-hmm. is um, like slut, like prostitute <laughs> no, yes no prostitute. <laughs> yeah. yes this so, is so my question is if you behave like a prostitute <laughs> of course you cannot find a good man Thanks. which um good man wants a very prostitute mm.
0: very great point right yeah uh so this comes my down question, to yeah sludge my question
3: is this number one why Many women behave like sluts. Number two, why um a slut think they deserve good men?
0: Okay, I believe women dress like sluts and behave like sluts because a lot of them were raised without fathers. They're raised in kind of a me first, materialistic world where, uh, you know, they have OnlyFans and they can get money. They have a Instagram where they can, you know, take pictures of them being slutty and feel good about themselves and they get a dopamine rush and the minute they get that dopamine then that that fades off and then they want more of it and so it just kind of creates this continuous slut cycle if you will a cycle of sluts and uh, that's that's what's happening but these women want good men because that's a biological desire to have that and um, even they don't really know how to earn it in a way that 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 makes sense now because they have all these other ways to get attention from men. But these men don't respect them necessarily. They just like to look at them. So, So women are like, okay, well I'm doing, I'm taking all these pictures and these men are giving me attention, but why are there no good men? It's like, well, you know, maybe you could meet a good man like at church. Maybe you could meet a good man out in your community doing community service or, you know, at the park or at a Ball game, or I don't know, at a restaurant or a bar, like a normal person. But uh, we're kind of in this, this, this situation right now where um, women are really broken and they don't know how to fix themselves, and I don't think they really want to fix themselves because it feels good to be broken because of all that dopamine. What do you think, Libby? Why are women sluts? Um. Yeah, I would disagree with
2: this assessment. First of all. Um, <laughs> Go for it. And- You know, I I do disagree with the assessment. I don't think all American women are sluts at all. Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot of uh, incredibly wonderful women in this country. Uh, We also have a situation where our country is being inundated with chaos, Mm -hmm. and uh, it does make it um, difficult, I think, for young men and women to have respect for themselves and each other, and I certainly hope that some of the work that Josie and I are doing can help change some of that.
0: Yes, I'd like to add that I do not believe that all women are sluts because I'm surrounded by with women who are not sluts. See, I'm not one myself. Libby's not one. But there are, okay. I, I do understand the, the subset of women that you are talking about, and I do see them, so.
2: Yeah, we're definitely um, not
3: all the people on the
0: Whatever podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. I um, until I say this, okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, a few months ago, I was um, in Toronto, canada mm-hmm. um i was intern engineer steven and i go to downtown toronto mm-hmm. um i told you okay all women press sweat
2: <laughs> <Their laughs> yeah i don't, I don't know what your they, um, your anecdotal butt
3: evidence butt here is, is not they, they <laughs> always show butt and breast and um hey um they very happy when men stare
0: at them. Yeah. Um, slut behavior not good. Yeah, I, 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 I know that can happen. That can happen with uh, sluts in Toronto for sure. But uh, hopefully, the work that Libby and I do will help create less sluts and better women who will get good men and uh, raise excellent children. Thank you so much for your question, Weiwu. You're very um, enjoyable to follow.
3: Okay. One thing. Yes. Um, um Libby look
0: <laughs> No Thanks. she doesn't. Libby looks like one or doesn't look like one?
2: I don't think that you're a real person. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: Libby's um, Libby. Libby's
2: no, beautiful. No,
3: no, um my my um <laughs> um sorry, English not good. Have to make um translation in that um what I say is, um, well,
0: Libby gone. uh Libby gone. Okay. Oh, well, no. Um, Libby might have... I
3: think, I think truth hurt. No. I, I call her slut. She, she's not she a slut. She's truth, <laughs> so she leaves because most of <laughs> not good.
0: No, she's not a slut. But thank you, Weiwei. I got to get to the next question. Okay. Okay. All right. Um Libby, I hope that you come back. Um let me see. Sui contraire, go ahead. Sui contraire. mentality because that's exactly what you're describing okay uh i can't okay that one's not there um nick come back come on up uh let me see okay all right nick you have a question Hello. Hello. Do you have a question, Nick? Uh,
1: so, yeah, I just seen the topic there, raising kids. Yeah, yeah. that's rough. So, motherhood, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay? From my experience, I'm just from small, I'm Prince Edward Island, Canada, but I uh, I know a lot of folks that are raising kids like single mothers. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's a, that's a super challenge. But I guess a question. Hmm, I don't have a particular question, but, um,
0: I suppose the only piece of advice I would give is like, I think the number one danger is, uh, I wouldn't say social media, but it's, it's just, I guess, overuse of like electronic devices, whether it's like any type of culture, like, like, you know, like whatever type of media, like Mm -hmm. Disney or YouTube or depend. You just got to monitor what, what they're being exposed to. That's all I'm saying. No, that's a really good point. Is to monitor what your children are exposed to for sure. Uh, my children don't use uh, social media; they use um, uh, like a Discord server, and they talk to people, like human beings that they know from school and uh, that sort of thing. But that's super important because a lot of people are just letting the internet raise their children, and that's that's just so dangerous. Libby, what do you think about that? Thank you. I'm glad that glad that you're back. I'm sorry that happened.
1: Okay, so I, don't
2: know. I don't know. I have a caveat. I'll, I'll just last point. And I'm, I'll, I'm done. Okay.
1: Uh, the I don't think it's so much of I don't think we. Lot, I think a lot of choice is being taken away because it comes down to time. Mm-hmm. How much How much
5: actual time do you have with your children? Like, where's all the quality? I know growing up, like maybe it's different now, but like I know growing up myself, like when I got off school and then
1: finally, like I'd have a babysitter for a couple hours, but mm-hmm. then when my parents come home, it was like. It was a struggle because then we had to do homework. So my, my parents would be fighting and whatever, trying to get this homework done. But when it really boiled down to it, like at the run of a day or even a weekend, much
4: yeah. actual hours of quality, quality time are you actually getting? And then a lot of these kids are being influenced when they're at school because they have a lot of, believe it or not, they have a lot of free time away from these so-called teachers or, or, or guardians, or whatever you want to call them, yep. but these children who have a lot of freedom, and I remember I had a lot of freedom, and we're talking, you know, uh,
2: 1980s and 90s, um, so now I can just imagine what was what, what on in, in schools, and actually I do have a pretty good idea what was on in schools, and it, 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 I can't even repeat it, stuff. like the sexualization of young children is really my number one reading. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm done. That's it. That's
0: all I had to say. What do you think of that, uh, Libby?
2: Yeah, no, you definitely have to monitor what your kids are doing online. I will say that I am um, i have to go in just a second because I'm i am literally sitting, sitting outside church waiting for my son to be done with his mm-hmm. um, youth group. So, um, but yeah, you know, of course pay attention to what your kids are doing online.
0: Yeah, it seems very... Basic, you know, like, but but so many parents are just like, well, I don't have to, I I don't have to parent because they're taken care of, you know, they're they're entertaining themselves. Why on earth would I, would I need to intervene here? You know, they're being good, they're behaving, but we, we wouldn't know what they're doing or who they're talking to. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: It's it's definitely hugely important. Uh, Let me see. I'm gonna bring up splinters. Uh, Splinters, go ahead. Hi, yeah. um, Yeah, no, I I wanted to, uh,
4: and I am a dad. Mm -hmm. I have a 13-year-old boy. Uh, He does not live with me, and he actually lives out of state and stuff like that. Um, I've luckily, through technology, been able to keep in touch with him a lot, and we're pretty pretty close, you know, considering and everything. Um, But I, I... I kind of almost wanted to steer this a little bit towards like relationships Mm -hmm. and um, not really relationships, but like how we have relationships Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of my um, research and it's (laughs) in the background to it is is like, why am I picking these wrong people all the time? (laughs) You know what I mean? And so what I've come up with, with a lot of my research is that a lot of this has to do how we learn how to emotionally attach to people um, and that happens by our primary caregiver in our first three years of our lives, you know, we don't remember that and everything. Um, so that's what I'm going to steer it back to uh, raising kids is that I think the most important thing, whether you're a single parent, or if you're not a single parent, is that you are totally emotionally available to your child, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in those first, in those toddler years, you know? And I think, uh, and I'm Gen X, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I grew up, you know, in just like the typical Gen X where like, you know, as a boy, like, Uh, rub some dirt in it you know don't cry be tough you know all that kind of thing you know and then also a couple parents that were like um, not not horrible at all but like maybe not totally emotionally present and stuff like that so um i've really come to the conclusion here later in my life that the most important thing for raising a child is to show them total emotional love especially in the first three four years of their lives
0: yes I actually was listening to a podcast by a child psychologist and she was saying that uh the ferber method the you know cry it out method is one of the worst things to happen to our culture ever it's created a uh sociopaths essentially like because you're telling an infant that they need to self-soothe and they're not biologically capable of doing that so um definitely love love your child um as much as you can, you know, um, hugs and kisses and, you know, cooing and any, any way to potentially show your child how, how, how they are loved is is so important. What do you think Libby? Oh, you're muted.
2: Okay. Yeah, no, I was muted. No, of course that's, of course that's important. Um, the the cried out thing is uh, terrible. Mm -hmm. Before that you had in the fifties, there were, um, books and doctors telling moms not to hug their children oh my god so I know could you imagine so this has been going on for a long time with uh, uh, medical professionals um, telling mothers that their natural maternal impulses are wrong Mm -hmm. and to try and change them
0: I mean that even goes back to like child rearing you know in the 17 hundreds in royal families where they never saw their children, or the 1800s right. even, even the early yeah, 1900s.
2: Like, the children should be seen and not heard, yep. and that whole thing.
0: Raised by nannies. Um, children,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, children, like in the Victorian era, in, in fine households, children would just come down before dinner. Yep. And then they wouldn't be seen again. They would not spend any time with their with their parents, really.
0: Absolutely. It's, uh, it's devastating.
4: Oh. Um, but... Exactly. Dr. Spock. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm Generation X, and that's what you were just talking about. Like, let them put them in a room and let them cry it out. Don't, don't go see them. Yeah. <laughs> which is probably the worst thing you could do.
0: For a child. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Uh, Kelly, Kelly, go ahead. Kelly, sorry, yes.
5: I was muted. That's okay. Um, I got on here late. Thank you both for hosting this. I I love the discussion, and I wholeheartedly agree with the nurturing need Mm -hmm. for um infancy and growing up too and i think um you know raising i've I've met a lot of parents who are concerned about you know raising kids in this generation um and for anybody who's listening i just wanted to add that you know many generations before us have faced other challenges in their time Mm -hmm. and it was the influence of the family, the the structure and the strength of the family, the love of the family that carried people through really hard times. Um, you know, I think about wars that have occurred, and um, you know, the Great Depression. We think about that too, and we do have challenges today. We do have, um, you know, what we witness in the schools and in culture and society. Um, but the impact of a strong family. And the value system that a family establishes can be such a wonderful gift and a heritage that you mm-hmm. pass on to your children. I remember, you know, just for myself growing up in the home, I was very honored to have the parents that I have because each of them came from homes that were very challenged. They had a lot of uh, pain and heartbreak mm-hmm. in their upbringing, but when my parents met, they chose to do things a little bit differently mm-hmm. and i think that's always an encouragement that we can remind ourselves as parents raising kids today is not to avoid raising children not to um, think that based on the circumstances of today that we don't engage in you know having children and the the wonderful gift of a family but that there's things that we can do every day to to build up our children and to establish good values and strength and courage Um, was just such a gift. I just so enjoyed your discussion. I know I hopped on late, but I just had to say hi.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for being here, Kelly. I'm glad that you enjoyed our discussion. Thanks, Kelly. How are you doing for time, Libby?
2: I should probably run. I'm seeing the kids are starting to come out. So okay.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Absolutely. Good. Um Absolutely. How can people support you?
2: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Libby Emmons. And, of course, you can check out all the work we're doing at The Post Millennial and
0: Wonderful. All right. Thank you, everybody. Go Thanks ahead. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. I have loved this conversation. Everybody go ahead and follow uh, Libby over over there at the Post-Millennial. She does excellent work. I've been on uh, TimCast uh, with her, um, I think, once or one or two times. She's a wonderful person. Uh, so, so everybody go ahead and support her. And I want to thank everyone for joining this conversation. I didn't have uh, Libby on as long as I'd like to because she had a uh, commitment, a motherhood commitment, of course, to pick up her son. But... Um, Thank you all for being here tomorrow night i'll be on uh with gays against groomers billboard chris and chloe cole we're going to discuss the tq agenda that is coming for the children and so that's going to be an incredible panel discussion so definitely tune in for that uh same time 7 p.m tomorrow night right here on spaces with josie uh you can also watch spaces with josie on timcast.com if you become a member uh you can actually watch the video version and watch my reactions so uh so that's cool too but otherwise everybody thank you for being here tonight thank you especially to my speakers and i hope everybody has a great night take care with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about
1: anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
2: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps)